1: In the Hebrew language, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. In the Hebrew language, there is a word chiraz. charaz. I'll spell it for you. C-H-A-R-A-Z, charaz. The idea behind this word is that of stringing pearls together. This was a very common teaching method in Hebrew culture. As you study Paul's writings, you will see this writing style. As you study Jesus' teaching, you will see it as well. Here in Luke chapter 6, are you listening? Here in Luke chapter 6, we see the same thing. Jesus is stringing together teachings Lessons on Kingdom Living. <clears throat> I titled the last two sermons, The Message of the Kingdom. He's talking about kingdom living. If you've been with me, you know that Jesus taught us that we are blessed if we are poor in spirit. That we are blessed when we are hungry more for God, hungry more for God that we are blessed when we weep now, that we are blessed when people talk about you for Jesus' sake. Last week, just by show of hands, were you with me last week? Y'all know I ran into that lady again at Panera. I'm just kidding. No, I did not. I just went lighten stuff up. That's all. Although, might I say, I was kind of hoping to. Anyways. Well, so last week we learned about loving your enemies and blessing those who curse you and pray for them and all this stuff that's impossible for us to do without the Spirit of God. Somebody say a better amen than that. You can't love your enemies unless God's Spirit helps you to do that. Can't pray for folks that don't like you unless God's Spirit helps you to do that. So I left church last week and... I told you. I briefly mentioned last week that, uh, you know, my my neighbor is let's just say challenging. And I, I you know, what I was determined to live what I preach. I hate it when God requires me to do this. <laughs> so. <laughs> I see my neighbor. I'm, you know, preached a sermon. Everything was wonderful. I'm like, okay, you need to give this loving stuff, the enemy blessing those who curse you. You need to give this stuff a try. Yeah, it's high time. And uh, so I did. I saw my neighbor and I I did. I I really did. I mustered up enough Jesus within me because y'all know it took the Lord My neighbor came out, and I just said, Jesus? I had to call on the name. I had to grab like this. (laughs) You know you want Jesus when you go, Jesus? (laughs) My neighbor thought I lost my mind. I said, hello. I think it shocked the woman. I I, I do. I think I shocked the woman. I said, hello. And uh, I think I shocked her so much she didn't even speak back at me. She didn't speak. I said, "Well, there goes that." So then I had to bless her. Bless her out. No, just kidding. I'm no, I'm no, I'm just kidding. So we talked about all of that stuff last week. Jesus continues to string together pearls. Listen, this morning he continues to string together these pearls today. Two more very difficult things to do. Judge not and forgive. Luke chapter 6. Turn in myself. Luke chapter 6. We pick up in verse 37. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Yeah. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be what saints give and it will be given to you. Good measure. pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put in your bosom for with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And then in verse 39, are you looking at it? He spoke a parable to them. Can a blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall in the ditch? Disciple's is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Say amen. amen. Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you're when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. And in verse 43, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. And a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Verse 37. Were you with me in my, go- in my study in the Gospel of Matthew? Just round the applause, show of hands, whatever. So Matthew chapter 7, we talk in depth about judging. Verse 37, judge not and you shall be and you will not be judged. This verse, (laughs) this verse is probably one of the most well-known and misunderstood and misapplied verses in the Bible. Anybody agree? And have you noticed people love this verse. I'm going to say that again. Folk love this verse. And especially when you're telling them something that is morally or spiritually wrong. People love this verse. You tell someone that what they are doing is wrong all of a sudden they wax biblical in their thinking and King James in their thinking. They will tell you judge not and be ye. Did you hear me? That's the King James thing y'all judge not and be ye not judge. They will tell you that there are some people who interpret this verse literally And they will say that you should never pass judgment on people. No, not ever. They say we should always be loving and tolerant. They say that we should never say a person is bad regardless of what they've done. Whether they're liars, cheaters, adulterers, murderers, rapists, robbers, politicians, 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 (laughs) tyrants, terrorists, don't judge. Can I tell you something? Listen, I think each week I'm building myself a history because each week I say something that is politically incorrect. (laughs) Y'all know. Listen, I could not disagree with that more. There are times when we must judge. There are times when people, some folks are just bad and you just need to say it. We live in a world nowadays, you just don't, don't, oh, don't tell a child he's bad. You don't say he's bad. Listen, some kids are bad. (laughs) I've seen them in the supermarket. They falling out because mom won't get the cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. I'm like, what? I don't got, look, y'all, I'm from the old school, okay? I remember days where nowadays it's like, well, let's just give Johnny a time out. Why is like it, you, Johnny and Susie? It, it should, like, why isn't it Jamal and Shaniqua? <laughs> I don't know, just my musings. But let's just give Johnny a timeout. Listen, I don't know anything about timeout. I'm from the old school. Time out meant knocked out. <laughs> Anybody know it? Time out. Time out. My mother say, oh <laughs> my in the in the grocery line in the line with a cereal line this big and you just fall out Ah! I want the cuckoo for Cocoa Pops my mother like oh and you know you finna get it when she go oh <laughs> you know you're in trouble when you do that thing there she starts taking off her earrings and stuff oh it's gonna Gertrude didn't play. My mother didn't play. Y'all, I'm from the old school. Ain't no spanking. Well, now, Johnny, now, you just, wait a minute. You're going to get spanked. Spanking? No, we're talking, we're wh- whooping. You going to get whooped. See, we don't talk like that anymore. Or how about the days when, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all are too young, you would not even thought of, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Go to sleep. But... <laughs> But remember the days when you were about to get whooped and you had to go get the switch? You had to go get the switch. And don't misunderstand me. This, this wasn't a black thing or a white thing. White folks did that too. <laughs> black folks did anybody, any, any white people? No. <laughs> I got to stop. It wasn't a black thing or a white thing. And you go get the switch, and then it was the longest walk ever. Wasn't it? And it was like you try to walk really slow. You're like walking. Go get the switch. I said go get that switch. Go get go get the switch. You were like, okay. <laughs> walk faster, boy. You go get the switch, and it'll take you a long time, and you're hoping that maybe they forgot. But then when you get back, they didn't forget They tore you up, you got a whooping. There are times, listen, contrary to popular opinion, contrary to popular belief, or what the world of psychology is telling you, listen, there are times in which we as believers, we should not tolerate sin, and yes, we should judge. Anybody agree with that, or is it just me? There comes a time. Now, let me help you understand something. Because it's very important. The Greek word, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The Greek word for judge is krino. Krino. K-R-I-N-O. Krino. And it literally means to decide, to damn, to punish, to judge, to condemnation. So no, we're not the judge in terms of condemning because we cannot send anyone to heaven or hell. Only God can do that. So, no, we're not to judge, but we are to judge. As I told you in Matthew 7, I tell you again, we are to judge to identification with the intent of restoration. Write that down. We're to judge to identification. That means if you see a person sinning, we need to go to that person and say, hey, what you're doing is sin before God. That's identification. But God wants to set you free and God wants to put you in a relationship back in a relationship with him that's restoration there are times saints listen where we should discern truth from error there are the times when we need to judge over and over we don't have time to go over it today But there are many, many verses in the Bible that tell us to judge. Perhaps you want to write these down. First Corinthians chapter six, verse one through eight tells us that we ought to judge. Matthew chapter 18, verse 17 tells us we ought to judge. Wednesday night, if you were with us, you know, we read it. First John chapter four, John tells us, beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Galatians chapter one, verse eight. It says, if we or any other angel from heaven come preaching any other gospel, let him be accursed. That word accursed is the strongest language in the Greek language, literally means to be damned to hell. Paul says and cares so much about the souls of people that he says, I want you to judge what people are saying about Jesus. And if they or any person or religion or even an angel claims they are from God, And they're preaching a different gospel other than what you've already learned. Paul says, let them go to hell. Paul is passionate about the purity of the gospel. And he says, we need to judge those who are perverting it. And I'm amazed, saints, I still can't figure it out. Why is it that Christians we feel like we shouldn't judge? Why is it that Christians are so gullible? Christians are so gullible. It's almost like when you become a Christian, people expect and some Christians, you know, it's like I'm a Christian now. I don't need my brain. I'm a Christian now. I just check my brain at the door because everything is by faith. Everything is by the spirit. Listen, the Bible says without faith, it is, somebody help me, impossible to please God. We need faith. But God also gave you a good brain. And the same Bible that tells us that we have to have faith is the same Bible that tells us that we ought to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's the same Bible that tells us that we ought to be Bereans and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And yet we are so gullible. Some Christians believe anything they hear about anything spiritual, everything from Oprah Y'all know I love Oprah, but she's a high priest. Look, Oprah is a preacher. You don't have to like that, but that's true. She's the high priestess of daytime talk. Everything from Oprah to Deepak Chopra Newsweek, TBN, if a person stands up and quotes a few scriptures and makes a few references to Jesus, then we think they must be of God. Christians, listen, we got to stop being spiritual chumps. Can I say chump from, can I say chump? I guess I said it. We got to stop. Paul talked about false prophets rising up from among you in the book of Acts. Listen at that False prophets that rise up from among us. That means that people are in this audience right now. I don't know who you are, but the Bible says. In the church, false prophets will come in among us and not sparing the flock. They come to church, they find a Bible study, they get involved in the ministry, they do all of these things, but their whole intent is to feed on the flock of God, is to take advantage of God's people. And that's why we need to know the word of God. Because when you know the word of God, listen, nobody can get you off track. Because you know what? Their spirit will not agree with your spirit. Did you hear me? And you'll know, because the Holy Spirit will tell you, they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. They come in to deceive you, and they look like sheep, and they like sheep, and they even smell like sheep, but they're actually wolves. Look at this picture somebody sent me. I thought this was quite interesting. if you get my point, clap your hands, would you? So instead in verse 37 of judging and condemning, okay, take the picture now because people are stuck on that. Okay. Instead of judging and condemning, Jesus says we're to be forgiving in verse 37. Go ahead and peek at it. As last week, we talked about loving your enemies being hard to do. I got to say forgiving one another is right up there. Do you realize the core of Jesus' ministry is forgiveness? Do you understand that man's greatest need is forgiveness? Man's greatest need is not a better economy. Man's greatest need is not a black president. Man's greatest need is not better real estate. Man's greatest need is not a stronger portfolio. Man's greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. Because the reality is it doesn't matter whether you have a strong portfolio, whether you have a lot of money in the bank, whether you're black or white or blue or purple, rich or poor. It doesn't matter. The fact is we're all going to stand before Jesus someday and give an account for our lives. The greatest need is forgiveness of sin. Did you hear me? And somebody who are these people did a report. And they said statistically, 100 out of every 100 people die. You'll get that on the way home. You're like, I don't get it. Everybody will die. And because everyone will die, Our greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. This is the core of Jesus' ministry. Look at verse 38. Jesus said, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. Now this is one of those, another, listen, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. This is another one of those well-known, misunderstood, and misapplied verses I heard a guy just last week say that this verse was about money. Anybody ever heard that this verse was about money? Good. That's a good number of you. That this verse is about money, they said. They said, if you give money, people will press it down, shake it, and put it in your bosom. Now, I can tell you something. I've been a Christian for 26 years. I can tell you No one has ever put money in my bosom. I don't even know if I have a bosom. This has never happened. Now, you got to understand something. Saints, I always tell you, this is why I always tell you, please smarten up. Buy a clue. Context, 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 context. Jesus is not ADD. I've told you that before. I'm telling you now. Will somebody please tell me why would he be talking about judging other people or not, forgiving of sins, and then all of a sudden start talking about money? It doesn't make sense. Context, context, context. People will lift scripture out and say, this is what it means. I've told you how to handle that. What you do when somebody lifts a scripture out and says, oh, yeah, press down, shake together. We'll be running over, putting your bosom. You say, really? Well, let's read the first five verses and read the next five verses. That's 11 total verses. Guarantee you, you read them, you will get it in context. Can more than four people say amen? amen. Context is everything. Jesus is saying, remember to be forgiving because the same measure that you measure or you forgive, forgiveness will be extended to you. If you want forgiveness, then you must be forgiving. So we should forgive people like God has forgiven us and don't hold things against them. And yes, you'll remember it. We talked about it last week, but don't use it against them. You know, there was a guy, was talking to his friend and he said, Every time I get into an argument with my wife, she gets historical. Well, the guy said, You mean hysterical? He said, No, historical. She brings up every bad thing that I've ever done. Listen, ladies, this one's for you. If you want to ruin your marriage quick, get historical right some of y'all are already hysterical we can't do nothing about that <laughs> but historical that's not good you don't remind him of what he's done because god doesn't remind you of what you've done how unfair is that and that's not just for the ladies fellas same thing for you that works two ways. The Bible says submitting one to another. Uh-huh. Some of y'all ladies like, that's right. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not, you can't be anything. Nothing is more like Satan. Satan reminds you. You know, God never reminds you of your past. Never. He says, I cast your sin and see of forgetfulness never to remember it anymore. He never reminds you of your past. If you're ever reminded of your past, that's the devil. And when Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Did you hear me? Remind him of his future.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.